Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. We will be talking about the plan that's not a plan. Of course, Micheál Martin was pressured into going on television tonight because Boris Johnson did it yesterday and gave some hope, I suppose, to the British people. The 21st of June is D-Day, isn't it? I mean, everything starts over there. They're removing legislation from March the 9th, whereby it won't be illegal to leave your home anymore. and The, the cops won't be arresting you anymore. Uh, they're bring, they're, all schools go back on March the 9th. They're hoping to get the pubs and all that kind of stuff open uh, in around the start of April. And by the 21st of June, they're pretty much back to normal, with the exception of international travel, which they said will be under review. So that's kind of given hope, because they've given dates, set times, which, and he used the word irreversible. Now, as much as I don't agree with everything that's happened so far, or, you know, I don't agree inherently with the whole idea of lockdowns, and I could talk about that in more detail, but at least he's given hope to people. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Michal said tonight, the end is in sight. Mind you, he said that the last three times he's been up on the podium. The end is in sight, so that line is getting a bit worn out. And I said on Twitter tonight, he's kind of like the fish in, a, you know, The Cat in the Hat. Do you remember that program or the, the, the movie, The Cat in the Hat, with great Mike Myers? And the fish started talking. And then the kid said, look, the fish is talking. And Mike Myers, the cat in the hat, so to speak, said, hmm, the fish is talking. But is he really saying anything? And that's what it was like tonight. It was like I was in some sort of world of trance. There was no dates given, no nothing, no... Even the suggestion that a pub might open wasn't going to be happening. Nothing on the cards. Just mentioned the schools briefly and, oh, we're doing great with the vaccines. And that was it. And the rest of you can just stay there in your homes till we're ready, till we're good and ready. And I don't think people are happy about that. I think we've, we've reached a turning point. Or as Stephen Donnelly might say, a tipping point. And I want to know from you tonight how you felt about what you saw. What was your reaction tonight to the speech? Well, one man's reaction over the last few days has certainly garnered quite a bit of attention on Twitter. Gary Dempsey's a former footballer and the owner of Match Fit Fitness uh, in County Wicklow has taken to Twitter to vent his frustration at the government and decided, well, according to his own tweet, enough is enough. I'm not having it. Enough is enough now. I'm opening my business in April, not prepared to stand by and watch it die right in front of my eyes. And I'll be attending every overly protest in the country until then, too. And we don't matter. They don't care. Enough is enough. Let me give you a little listen to some of what he said, because he went on a bit of a video rant. And then give me a quick listen. I'm really, really hurting today. Uh, I just want to ask. I want to ask the Irish government. What about us? Huh? When do we matter? What about 95% of the population that this virus doesn't affect? Huh? Do we not matter, no? What about our kids? What about small businesses that are going to be closed now if we go to the 1st of May, going to be closed for 12, 14 months? Huh? What about us? I'm absolutely sick of it. How do they expect us to survive? To pay our mortgage? Seven grand. Seven grand and 203 euro a week. That's what I got off the government for being closed for 14 months if we go to May the 1st. Huh? Do we not matter? Do we not matter indeed? And he joins me on the line, Gary Dempsey, a former professional footballer and owner of Match Fit Fitness, who said he's opening in April, come hell or high water. Gary, good afternoon. Good evening to you. How are you? 
Niall, how are you? you okay? Good. Well, you got a great reaction to your Twitter rant. And my, by the way, in case people haven't seen that, the reason you're panting is you've just done a workout, by the way. So in case people <laughs> think there's something sinister in it. But I mean, okay, yeah. so you just done a workout and you were just angry. Why, at that particular moment, did you decide to video yourself? Were you just very angry at that particular moment? Yeah, I was. Look, at it, it's been bubbling away at me now ever since, really, since. You know, the longer this whole thing has dragged on, and I was down in my gym and I was on the treadmill, I had a uh, promise. I have. I was doing a thing on Twitter where we were. I was getting my followers to do um, to do twenty five minutes uh, or a half an hour um, exercise with me for Lent. So my, my thing for Lent was to run five k every day. So I was on the treadmill, and I happened to be listening to some uh, motivational. Uh, uh, speeches when I was on the treadmill and I was it was just winding me up winding me up and then when I got off I was like right I'm I ready to, um, <laughs> yeah I need to it just felt right um, well you've got a lot of support and a lot of great reaction now you got a bit of abuse as well I suppose people and there are people out there Gary will say well look you know if you're told not to open in April you shouldn't and it's irresponsible what do you say to those people yeah, well, I think my response um, to that now would be, I mean, when, when we get to April, that would be 12 months out of 14 months that my business has been closed. Um, and I think that's long enough. I think the government now have had, have had plenty of long time to get their house in order. And I think the government now, you know, did this all lies at the government's feet because, you know, they said, they said in, after in, in the first lockdown that, they were expecting a second and third wave, and they never, they never prepared the country for it. So, I mean, I just feel that I've done that'll be twelve months I've done, as I said. So and you've done I've your bit, as far as you're concerned. Yeah, I've done my bit. And I feel, what, what about we're all in this together? Do you buy that line? No, not at all. We're not. We're not all in it together because um, these guys, uh, the, the politicians, and, and all that sort of stuff, all the TVs and all that crack. They're all going to work and getting full salaries. Well, they got to um, rise, actually. They, they, they well, they got to rise, yeah. So yeah. we're not in it together. And that really, really annoyed me because they'll stand up there. He stood up there again tonight and he's praising us how well we've done, but we need to dig in now and all this. And we're all in it together. It's, it's kind of like a repeat of the last speech, to be honest with you. There, there was, yeah, nothing, there was yeah. nothing in this. Now, later on, of course, there was a press conference and Leo Varadkar was asked about, you know, the opening of hospitality uh, and, of course, gyms and everything else and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he wouldn't give any dates because he said, I won't give you a date because I, I don't want to break any promises. But it's not going to yeah. be it's not going to be at least after April. And to be honest, a long time after that, because in April, what they've said is uh, they will like, give consideration to allowing people to meet outdoors in groups, sporting yeah. activities may be permitted outside yeah. and the five kilometre travel ban could be eased. Now it might go to 10 kilometres. Uh, some areas yeah. of construction might also be allowed. So nothing really. No, and, nothing. It's madness, isn't it? Like, I mean, little old Ireland, we are in now the longest. 163 the, days lockdown. Yeah, we're, we're going to be the longest and the most restrictive in the whole world. I mean, it's absolute madness. And, you know, what I said in that video and what I keep saying to, I spoke to a few reporters today is, what about us? Have they completely and utterly forgot about us? You know, the majority of the nation that this virus is not going to affect. Now, I'm not for one minute saying that, you know, forget about the old people and forget about the vulnerable and forget about the hospitals and the nurses and all that. But there's got to be, there's got to be a stage. Another where, way. Where, yeah, where the rest of us matter. Like my kid, like, do I not? I'm not talking about me. Like I'm talking about millions of people here in the country that this virus doesn't really affect, you know, and, you know, my our kids, like the, the collateral damage from this, Noel, 
down the road when all this is is, is over and done with it's going to be absolutely huge and well, like we've kids, already we've already seen today in the Irish Independent that the waiting lists now for hospital for non-COVID related illnesses has increased now to over a million or nearly a million people on waiting lists this is because of course we've abandoned all other services it seems because COVID is the only game in town yeah COVID's the only game in town and that's my point you know and look I've got a lot of stick about you know, oh yeah, just open up and, and, for, and don't worry about killing everybody and all this sort of crack. Like, I'm not but that's not what you're suggesting. I know that's not what you're not suggesting. Not at all, no. Like, I'm, on a, I'm, I'm talking about open my gym probably at 10% capacity. We have a booking system. I've got a 10,500 square feet facility. I'm looking at maybe bringing five or six people in every hour, giving them their 45-minute slot and give them a chance to get out of the house and get some exercise and let them blow off some steam because... You know, it's just it's just going on too long now. And, you know, um, I was arguing with a guy today on Twitter. He was saying, look, oh, man, can you not dig in? Stick with it, stick with it for another couple of months. My wife has asthma, and if she goes out and catches this, she could die. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. You want my kids not to play football and my daughter not to go and do gymnastics because your wife has asthma? And you're calling me selfish? I mean, it's absolute madness. I, I mean, and I, and I understand. And by the way, in relation to asthma, I remember talking about this before. The 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 there's two different types of asthma. The most common version or version of asthma, should I say, a variety of asthma, is not at any risk of COVID nineteen. By the way, um, it is yeah. the one that's more rare. And I can't remember the, the names of the two different types, but one is less is quite rare, and that's the one that's yeah. more at risk of COVID nineteen. So, but anyway, either way. You, you make a very good point. There are people in this country who have underlying illnesses, who are, I suppose, who their immune systems uh, are compromised. But the world, uh-huh. and with the greatest respect to those people, the world can't revolve around them because everybody else yes. has to get on with their lives as well because that's important to everybody else too. And that's, oh, I don't believe that's a selfish attitude to have. So what do you, what, when somebody says, yeah, and I get this all the time, Gary, when I have a little rant like you, and people say yeah. to me, well, so, okay, you think the government are doing a shit job. Fair enough. I agree with you, right? That's great. Yeah. So what's your yeah. answer, Gary? If you were running the country, what would you do, Gary? And that's well, look, what they're going to say to you. Yeah, that's what they say to me. But look, by the time we get to April, we're, we're not going to be far off and we're not going to be a million miles off probably all those vulnerable groups and the hospital and all the frontline staff being vaccinated, right? So, um, like, is it, not, is it not their turn now to... Mind themselves. Like if I, if like my auntie is is it would be compromised. She's she's fought leukemia um, and, and breast cancer, and she had a bone marrow transplant. Believe it or not, throughout this lockdown, she managed to get into the hospital just in time to get the bone. They, they more or less said, "Look, if we don't get her in the next couple of days, she's not going to get in, and she's not going to get this treatment." So she was really, really lucky. But she said to me, "Like I know I'm in you. I, I know I'm under pressure. If I go out, I, I would be yeah. in trouble." So she's minding herself. They've got a minus us, but the rest of us, like, you know, what I'm saying to you about my business being closed, it's not just my business. I'm worried about my kids, my sitting in the bedrooms, um, you know, my, my daughter goes to trampoline four or five times a week. That's just been just taken off her. Just no, no questions asked. No, not allowed to do it. Um, my son would do football two nights a week, would do ga another couple of nights, uh, would, would play football and ga then at the weekend. So pretty much active and out all the time. Now he's afraid to go down and kick ball down the park with his friends in case the guards come out and give out to him for being out and not social distancing. He's 13 years of age, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, like, I don't know. What would I do if I was in government? I would slowly but surely say to people, like Gary, you own a gym. Okay, well, how big is your facility? How many people would you normally have in there? And sort of at a busy time, we could have 100 people on site. Right, okay, look, for April, May, 
you're only allowed 10 people in there an hour. If we can't do it more than 10 in there, we're going to shut you down. And I've no problem with that. And did you, by the way, did you spend, when, when they allowed you to open for a short period of time there, uh, yes. did you spend, spend money? Fortune. How, much did you, spend like, how much did you have to spend on your screens we, and uh, sanitizers? We, yeah. and, we were about, we were the good to sort of eight to 10 grand. We have a, we have two, we have a temperature monitor, monitor at the door when people come in that, t- that takes their temperature and if it flags up their temperature, they're not allowed in. Um, that cost us to go to three and a half grand. Um, we screens, we fogging machines, we sanitizing stations. What's a fogging machine, by the way? So that's you know the fogging machine when you're when you're cleaning down the equipment. It's like a sterilizer type of thing. Oh, oh right, okay. So yeah, just okay. So yeah, it, so you fog it. down all yeah. the yeah, so you fog it down all the equipment and you clean it. Yeah, so we spent the fortune. Um, and how much, much, Gary? If you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer on these questions, but they can tell me my own yeah. business. But how much have you got from the state, with the exception of the the money that your PUB payment that you're getting every week? How much have you been given we any got money? Seven grand. Which, got seven when, grand back from rates that we paid on the premises last year. And that was it? That's it so far. We, we're, we're in for the, there's a CRSS grant that we're in for, but that's been dragging on now for ages. So, but that will eventually come through. I think that could be worth something like an extra 200 euro a week to us or something like that for every week that we've been closed. So you've essentially lost all your turnover from last year? Oh, yeah, completely. And do you know what, Noel, I have to say, my, my clients were absolutely fantastic. See, in lockdown one, uh, it was all new. It was The, the, the weather was great, and, and it, was, it was a little bit different. They all stood with us. They stayed with us. They paid their memberships. We'd done online stuff, and it was great. Mm. Um, second lockdown, we lost, we lost a few, which you would expect. Well, you would expect, you know, people of course, are not yeah. Gonna, yeah, they're not going to pay a membership for a, for a gym that's not open. But in the third one, we've lost pretty much everybody. Now, we would have a core, a good hard group core of maybe 50, 60 members that are online with us um, every day and, and, and doing stuff online. But other than that, we're gone. Like, our walk-ins are gone. Um, our monthly memberships are gone. And, and rightly so. Like, if I, was, if I was a member of a gym and, you know, I had to tighten the, the purse strings a bit, the first thing would go would be the gym membership. If well, you're of course, because it's, it, lux- it's a luxury, yeah. Well, when, yeah. My, when I say it's a luxury... For a lot of people, it's essential because they use it to keep fit, yes. and, and I get that. You know, I understand. I'm not, a, I'm not a gym goer myself, by the way, Gary. I think I would yeah. burst into flames if I walked into a gym. To be honest <laughs> with you, but in, yeah. in saying that, I do try to keep reasonably fit. But, but yeah. okay, so as far as you're concerned, you're opening on April. So when are you going to open? April the fifth, April the first. When are you going? Yeah, open? well, I'm going to. Do you know what? I'm going to sit, and, and a lot of people were saying to me, "Look, if you're going to open, why don't you open now?" And all, but do you know what? I'm and that's that's really... what I said last night to when I was talking to uh, uh, Travos restaurant last night they said oh, they're opening yeah, yeah. Uh, they said that Paul said he was opening in July and I said well now in fairness I do understand his is seasonal he doesn't get any business still in around then anyway but I said yes. but if you're going to make a point to make a stand sure, why wait in July you should just do it now yeah well do you know do you know what I'm going to do I'm, go- I'm, I'm going to respect the next six weeks lockdown that they've asked us to do mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm, 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 I'm kind of hoping upon hoping that the numbers get to a place where they, they turn around and say look gyms can open up you know we might go to level three plus but after hearing what he said tonight, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. No. So I, I'm going to open. Um, I'm and by the way, can I just say, I, I do want to point out that I'm not certainly encouraging anybody to break the COVID rules or guidelines. And they're there for a purpose. But I, obviously, if you've got it in your head that you're going to open and you feel it's being un- you're being unfairly targeted or treated well, as a business person, I, under- I appreciate that, respect that view as well. well I can, I can. The, the the cases that have arose from leisure, from leisure or gyms or anything like that is zero point zero zero three or something. It's not where where uh, no. 
where the transmission is happening. And you can and say the I, same from hospitality, open, by the way, as well. The cases yeah, are very low. I'm not, I'm not going to be irresponsible and open and put people out. Now, listen, the other side of the coin is I might open and nobody might come. You know that sort of way? So, but I, I plan on opening. I will be, we will be ultra, ultra safe and make sure that everybody's happy and we're doing what we have to do. Like, I'm not going to take the piss and open up and have 200 and if people the gar- in there. And if the guards arrived an hour later after you open and say, listen, Gary, close... That's going to happen, so I'm going to have to deal with that when I get there, aren't I? Have you got a, um, have you got a plan? <laughs> yeah, I have. Well, look, I'm going to put a proposal. I'm going to actually put a proposal together, um, and I'm going to I'm going to scan out. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, but I've done a run through of my facility. So I don't know if you know our our facility is an old secondary school. Okay, yeah. So it would have been so it's a massive building. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ventilation in the place is fantastic. Um, we've so much space; it's unreal. So like. I will have literally one, two people max in, in what would be the size of two classrooms. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be within an ass's roar of each other. They'll probably be 15 metres apart. Um, so, like, you know, I'll, I'll just have to, de- <laughs> I have to deal with it, you know. And the, and the gas thing is, in the in the police station in Wicklow Town, there's probably about seven guards that would, when we're open, they come up and train with us. So I, I, I wonder will they be up in April? Yeah, <laughs> but they may have their uniforms on. They may be the same guards yeah, with their uniforms yeah, on. Yeah, and by know, the way, I you know, know, I I do understand it's hard for the guards to be implementing these laws because yeah. it, it is tough, mind you. I do believe there are some guards who've taken it over the top completely as well. You know what I mean? And but most of them are kind of reasonably reasonable about this. But I suppose the law yeah. is the law, and they have to implement it, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, look, I'd imagine when they come up to me, they'll be they'll be fine, but. I've got it. Like I've got it. Like like I said in the video. What 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 about us? And when when do we count? I mean, you're I've seen. I heard you before. I come on talking about Boris. Like and they they're an absolute shit show over there. But at least he's given them a timeline. You know, and I well, it is it is a light at the end of the tunnel. And and what's important is he used the word irreversible, which means he's not yeah, going to go back on us. Well, to me, I tell you, I've got I friends in the UK, obviously from from my football days over there. And they've woken up this morning with a little bit more of a spring in their step because they've got, you know, I think it's like 110 days and they're out of it completely, all going well. Do you know? Well, the, well they've seen a 337% increase this morning on holiday bookings abroad. Well, yeah, well, there you go. And our, our lads come out tonight and say, look, lads, we're, we're not doing that until April the 5th. Come back to us then and we'll have a chat to you then. Yeah. You know, it's just not good enough. No. Like, so April the 5th, by the sounds of things, they're going to, we're not going to, they're not going to allow us probably till, I don't know. April, what would it be? May, June, maybe something it'll like that. It'll be May or June. Another six it'll weeks. be May or June before anything happens. That would that, be us at 18 months. Like, what am I supposed well, to Well, the, the papers the other day, they talked about hospitality in the middle of summer. And they also talked about the fact that Neffet, according to the Sunday Times, Neffet said they won't be re- removing lockdowns until the waiting lists go down. But should the, the lockdowns yeah. are what's creating the waiting lists. So, yeah, <laughs> my, our hospitals, have, for as long as I can remember, have been over a disaster. Two, Absolutely, yeah. Two years ago, people on people outraged, people on trolleys dying on trolleys and hallways. Again, I have nurses and doctors that train with me, and yes, the hospitals were under pressure. But the, 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 the feedback I was getting was they were under no more pressure than what they have been every winter for the last yeah bad winter season. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Um, so, well, I, I think know, the added I think the added pressure for the nurses and doctors, and I know because I know a nurse very well, and she said the added pressure was that many nurses and doctors were off and absent at one stage they'd, you know, 10 or 20% of people off as a close contact with somebody with COVID and that is what yeah, added yeah, the pressure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. People yeah, who at home yeah. who were who were diagnosed as being sick but weren't. They were just close contacts. In other words, yeah. they weren't actually sick at all. They were just home at a cautiousness. 
And, yeah, you know, yeah. that doesn't make a huge amount of sense because you're working in an environment where people do have diseases and viruses and all sorts of things because that's the nature of being a nurse or a doctor. And the whole idea yeah. is that you're PPE'd up to the gills anyway. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. realistically, it shouldn't have been that way. But, I mean, I know now they've changed policy on that and they did ask nurses and doctors to go back uh, after they'd had a negative test, uh, which the, yeah. what they should have been doing from the start. But but as you rightly say, uh, according to Stephen Donnelly, if you believe anything the man says at this stage, uh, after last night's performance on Claire, uh, Claire Byrne, yeah. uh, um, yeah. he, according to him, we're going to have all these people vaccinated in the next few weeks, uh, be they doctors, nurses, vulnerable people. Yeah. So at that point, you know, the people who are at risk, they're not at risk anymore if indeed the vaccination is a 95% efficacy. So why yeah. do we need to continue doing what we're doing is the point, really, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, well, this is it. And again, I keep going back to the fact that I don't expect to be gung-ho. I don't expect to, uh, for them to come here and say, yeah, Gar, on you go, open up your gym fully there, everything's grand. I get that, I understand that. And, you know... Yeah, you need to say personal responsibility, yeah. Yeah, of course. And, like, you're going you're gonna to you're make sure that the place is, is proper and ready and everyone's going to be looked after and safe. And um, it's not going to be, you know, a free-for-all. Um but you know, like then, what really bugs me then is you can go into McDonald's and you can get twenty-five Big Macs, and on your way home you can stop in and get a a flag and a cider. You know, and these are classes. You know, it's essential and one of the main things that uh, that COVID uh, attacks is obese people. But you know, off licenses and takeaways and all that are essential. You know, it's just it's it's so frustrating. Okay, so well look, well look, I, I I wish the best of luck anyway, Gary. Which whatever you yes. decide to do. And uh, keep in touch with us and let us know how you're getting on. Uh, when you do, we may, we'll, get, we'll keep in touch with you at uh, the start of April when you decide to open, if indeed you haven't been allowed to open at that stage. And uh, the other thing as well is keep the anger going on Twitter. They're liking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although some are probably abusing you as well, but that's, that's yeah. all part of Twitter, isn't it? Hey, can I tell you, I've been getting abuse on me, like being a footballer in Scotland, being an Irish man and playing at Ibrox against Rangers. I've, I've had worse. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure oh, worse oh, oh, has been shouted yeah. at the sidelines, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I've had a lot worse. And listen, thanks but, a lot for having me on. And, by the way, do you miss the football, do you? Oh, I do, yeah. I miss it terribly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Ah, um, you're only young ones, Gary. That's it. Ah, well, this is it. Look, I went, I went to Everton when I was sixteen, so I was, I was gone out of Wexford at sixteen. I, I, I didn't pretty, pretty much didn't come back to Ireland until I was sort of thirty-two. So I was sixteen years over there between England and Scotland, and mm-hmm. and then I had a couple of stints, done all, done a few clubs in League of Ireland and all. Yeah, but you can't beat the dressing room. You can't beat the, the, the dressing room banter. You know, it's, it's a banter like no other. You know, so I yeah. do miss it. But I'm, I'm still in touch with all. I don't know if you've seen a couple of the Liverpool players were tweeting um, support for me. And, yep, I saw that. Yeah, and Stan Petrov, who I would, who would have been at Celtic when I played against them, also tweeted his support for us. So, yeah, the lads have been great. Now, in fairness, I have to say. All right, well, listen, Gary. Thanks very much, and I wish you the best of luck. All right, thanks. Very no, much, not a bother. Thanks for talking to me. Cheers, there you go, Gary Dempsey. Uh, former professional footballer and owner of Match Fit Fitness in County Wicklow. He says, you know, I think he's being very reasonable about it. He's not like opening tomorrow or the next day. He wants to open with a, obviously a limited amount of people who'll be 15 metres away from each other, only 10 people in a massive big gym. And he says he's opening in April. Whether the government let him or not, he said, I need to get back to my business. He basically has got €7,000 off the government in the last year and is 200 and whatever it is a week, 220 or €203 Euro a week. Um a payment, a PUP payment, which is not going to keep him going. And he will lose his business if he doesn't. Let me go to Andy as well, by the way. You can text us 087 I want to get your reaction to Michal Martin's uh, speech tonight. Sorry, I'll give you a bit of a rundown of some of the things he said in a minute. Anyway, Gary, or Andy, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Andy? 
No, I'm good now, thanks. Good. Uh, and you've been listening to Gary there. I mean, his his video went kind of viral on Twitter. Of him, he was just very angry, an angry moment where he just had enough of it and basically said to the government, "Not care about the people anymore." And and he was being reasonable about it. He understands that COVID nineteen, you know, sadly does take the lives of those who are very vulnerable and those who are very unwell. But as far as he's concerned, you know, there's more of us in the country than just those people. And and, and I just spoke to a neighbour today who told me a, a fellow he sort of knew well back in Armagh, um, was 62, non-drinker, non-smoker, trained, you mm-hmm. know, footballer, um, got a clot and, and that was it, gone. Yeah. You know, so... Well, uh, we, we all know this, Andy, any time, any day, any hour, any minute, we could be gone. Well, look, we, we don't know. We don't know what it is, but when you've got COVID, then you're, you're absolutely looking at your options and your chances. And, and I say that now because I, was, uh, I, I, I got it recently. Yep. So, um, you know, it's all very, it's all very different when you, when you have COVID. I was lucky, you know. I was oh, it is fine. I'm, I'm sure it is fighting. I, I mean, I had pneumonia, nearly ended up in hospital. So I know what it, can, what it feels like to feel very unwell. And, and I'm Wait, sure. The thing was, I wasn't very unwell. I was lucky. I had a very mild dose. But when you're sitting there with a mild dose of COVID, knowing that I think it's about 1 in 53 cases end up in, in mortality, you know, in, in mortality in, in Ireland. One um, in 53? Hold on a second. One in 53? Yeah, that's, that's, there's 4,000 deaths. 4,000 deaths. Hold on, no, 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 no. Let's be clear about this, Andy. One well, in 53 people don't die of COVID. Well, look. That's ridiculous. Well, Where did you get that figure from? It's the HSE, isn't it? No, well, you didn't get that figure from the HSE. Yes, it is. Go and have a look at the amount of cases. Yeah, hold on a second. One, you're telling me that every every 53 people who get COVID, one of them dies. That's that's the stats. Isn't that's it? not the stats. No, that's not the statistics at all, Andy. Well, maybe. maybe okay. Maybe firstly, I firstly, the statistics are broken down into different age groups, right? Uh, under the age of 70 years of age, your chances of survival of COVID 19 are 99.8 percent, or something in and around that. I, 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 don't, I don't see 99.8. Okay, over the, oh, even, even over the age of 80, even over the age of 80, your chance of survival is still something like 92 no, or 93%. Really, do, do we actually really sort of, are we so sort of bothered about how Well, yeah, well we, we are, are bothered when you come on the air, Andy, and say one in 53 people will die of COVID. That's a ridiculous oh, statistic. It's completely uh, misinformation. They, well, untrue. May, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll go and double check it now. But you, you should go and double check it. Died, how many people in Ireland have died of COVID? Just tell me that. I can tell you the figure was... What's a, uh, Ashley, just tell me the figure there quickly. I think it was 4,300 and something. I'll check it in a second. Right. And I'll give you the exact figure cases? in a second. And how many confirmed cases have we had? How many cases we have? You don't go by how many cases you have, Andy, because the thing about it is with COVID-19, the majority of cases are not actually diagnosed. So you, what they have to do is they model it, what they call modelling. Now, if you want to base it on cases, we've had, something, we've had something like 230,000 cases, I think, in this country. Right, so you divide that by, what, 4,000? No, that's not the way you do it, Andy. It? That's not the way you work out mortality. That, that's not, not that, so you're not, not all I said was the number of cases, deaths per confirmed case. So do you not just divide the number no, of deaths no, into the number no, of confirmed cases? No. Does that not have to give you a figure no. of deaths per confirmed no. cases? No, that's not how, the way you do how, it. How does it not? Because you don't... But okay, let me tell you how you... Because we don't test the whole population. No, I didn't say. I said deaths per confirmed cases. So just oh, no, okay. <clears throat> even at deaths per, confir- per confirmed cases, if you're going by the figures that I've just given you there a second ago, you're still looking at only 2%. So which is two people in every 100. 1 in 50. No. What's 1 in 50 now? 2%. What did I say? 1 in 52. You're, you're, you're telling me that one person in every 53 people will die. That's not the case, my, Andy. No, I've just... 
told you to figure right. Andy, Go with Andy, you just, and you Andy I'm, I tell you what I'm going to I'm, I'm, no, Andy, you're being irrational now. One no. in 53 people, or whatever it was you said to yeah. me a second ago, said, do not die look, of COVID-19. All right? That's just not a factual figure. Okay, all right? so just, that's not a factual figure. No. The, the number of deaths per confirmed cases divide one and the other no. comes out of 53. You're not, you're not talking, Andy, you're not talking scientifically. They talk about fatality ratios. It's completely different. So you have to model it. You have to base it on the amount of people who are not actually tested. There are, the, the figures are probably closer to somewhere uh, like I one said, in 10,000. What I said was when you have COVID mm. and you look at the case numbers and you see that for every, you know, 53 cases, of confirmed cases off, off that website, they to say that, you know, one, one in 53 Andy, you've got to just keep talking about this because it's starting to drive me mad now at this stage. Well, obviously you don't like hearing the truth now, but that's, that's just... That's not that's the, the, well, it's not the truth. One in 53 well, it, people do not die of COVID-19 who get it. Well, that's that's the stats that are in front of you now. But if you yeah, can't say it, if you yeah. can't say it, that's fine. Okay, all right, all right. right. Let's move on. Yeah, so move let's on. move on. Yeah. So basically, the bottom line is now that COVID nineteen is still out there. It's still easily got, and the fact of the matter is, it's not about me. It's never about me, or other, it's about other people. And, and essentially, what we're talking about is, is healthcare workers that have to sort of deal with the, with the mess at the end of it of people that do require you know, hospital treatment. That's what COVID has always been about. So, yeah, I, I, my, my work is stuffed, and it has been stuffed for a long time. You know, I got, up, I, I sort of got involved in a, in a thing called a, a CPC training business, which um, some companies think it's okay to go ahead and still do, but I sort of see health and safety uh, training as about not putting people at risk. So, therefore... I can't really go and legitimately stand in front of people and say, yes, lads, I care about your health and safety, but let's all get 17 strangers in a room together. So I, I, can't, I can't go back to doing what I want to do um, until we get sort of transmission rates down. And the only way we're going to do that is through the vaccination programme. So, yeah, Michal Martin's speech was in some ways reassuring, but it just it highlights the fact that, you know, the EU have made a complete bollocks out of the vaccination programme. You know? And, and is, is that all? I mean, let's just say, for exa- for argument's sake, we didn't have the vaccination programme, and, and we do, thankfully. But, but let's say, for argument's sake, we didn't. How long do you think people could continue to be locked up? Um, well, I think everybody, everybody's got a complete pound of ballots with it now. Well, I'm glad, everybody to, hear, I'm glad to hear you say that, yes. Well, well, why why do you think I wouldn't say that? Do you think do you think anybody is actually glad about being stuck in, restricted in their movements, being required to sort? Is of it do a fair trade off? Is it a fair trade off for everybody and business to be closed and people to be restricted in their movements and not be allowed to leave their homes? And is that a fair trade off? Look what happened to case rates after Christmas. You know, so that, that that's my answer. Well, that's but that's not either an answer either because now they've just released data which kind of shows that the case numbers were going up before we even ended the last lockdown before Christmas. Yeah, now I'm not saying I'm not saying it didn't add to it. Debatable, but, debatable. Uh, it's not debatable. Most scientists will agree well, that COVID nineteen, like every other nah, virus, we couldn't, is, we couldn't agree on the last figures. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you, most scientists in the world agree that COVID nineteen has seasonality, what they call seasonality. In other words, when you go into the winter season, why, 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 Gary? Or Andy. Why do they have seasonality? Why do viruses have seasonality? You want to know the answer to that question, oh, is it? Generally well, why, speaking. Why, why, yeah, why? All viruses have seasonality. Do you want to know the answer to that question? Go on, then. 
The, re- the answer to that my... question is ju- during the winter months, people spend more times in their homes Correct. Uh, with the windows closed. And they, in other words, it gives it the opportunity for the virus to spread. So that's called, that's seasonality. And also, together, also we, because during the winter it's colder, we don't get a, a, the same amount of vitamin D in our bodies as well. Our immune systems are not as good. So that, that's generally the reason it, exactly, why they're seasonal. People spend more time indoors with the windows shut, is what you just said. And, yeah. that, and that is something we agree on now. Yeah, and also our, our immune systems generally are not as good during the winter because we don't have as much sunshine and light. And generally that's why most viruses, if not all viruses, are seasonal. So we see more sick people generally go to hospital uh, in yeah. the winter months between sort of the end of November right through to the end of February. That's when the majority of people actually die. Sadly. Yes, but how do, how do we transmit? We, we only transmit these because we meet people. Well, we do, so yes, all, you're right. That, so that's the whole idea of restricting movements, and that is what happened at Christmas when everybody went, ah, we'll be grand. Mind you, there, it, there is I, evidence out there in studies that were taken that looked at all the lockdowns around the world, only uh, recently, actually, two or three weeks ago in Stanford University, and according to them, the lockdowns haven't actually worked. That in countries that had uh, less strict lockdowns, they actually had more cases, and countries that had very strict lockdowns had less cases. In other words, it didn't work the way they planned it to work. That there's no evidence to show. Now there is evidence to show that that basic restrictions that lockdowns are, um, are, yeah. are working. Yeah, there is. Okay, you can think what you want, Andy. Well, and because you, 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 you quite because, clearly because, think what you want. You well, want I'm, I'm only telling you about the report. You don't have to believe me if you don't want to. You can tell me that it's, that I'm making it up if you want to. I don't care. You can choose whatever report. Okay, you but want that's fine. Do. I'm just I'm just saying you can tell me well, I'm making it up if you want to. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. But there is evidence, of course, in the same in the same report, there is evidence that basic responsibility, like washing your hands, keeping your social distance, and using common sense, can reduce the number of cases. Of course, that's common sense, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's how. We, I mean, it has been all along from from the start. It's been about washing your hands and destroying the virus on 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 contact surfaces. That's you know that's absolutely mm. been a huge part of it. Keeping your distance and wearing masks. But there's lots of people that are not keeping the distance, not wearing masks, you know, obviously not washing their hands, you know, enough. And then we move around in, in different circles, we meet people, and surprise, surprise, it gets around a bit, and surprise, surprise, I got it. Now, what, what, was, what was the problem? Was I not careful enough? You could argue I wasn't. But the fact of the matter is, if COVID isn't out there, I wouldn't have got it. But I did get it. And it's, let's say it's, it's had a knock-on, a, a minor effect for me of, of lost income. Um, minor, because you know, let's say it's, it's. I've had no, you know, one in ten people have got this thing called long COVID, which is, you know, has has various sort of, you know, things like people give up exercise as a result of getting COVID because their their, their respiratory systems are stopped. So there's, there's a lot, a lot of stuff out there now that it's going to have. And what would you do uh, if if you were in charge tomorrow, Andy? What would you do? I would be fucking kicking down doors to get the vaccines. And well, okay, and, and I would not have. I would not have been sort of sitting back as much as we appear to have done as the EU in failing. And I say this, failing to get our fingers out and start vaccinating populations. Fucking and what do you what do you say to people out there? And there are some, not me. I'm pro vaccine, and I always have been. But there are people out there saying, "I'm not taking any vaccine. You can't force me to take any vaccine." Oh no! I've, and I've, I've even let's say a couple of friends that are in that camp. Okay, um, and what would you say to those people? I'd say you, you can't be forced to do it. If you want to believe your, your have your own belief, then that's it. I'm not a fascist. I'm not. I'm not can't force it. But all, what the main thing you can do is offer the vaccination to as many people as possible. And there's a big thing now about sort of you know governments actually addressing the misinformation and the fear that people have, you know, of, of not taking vaccines because of 
a lot of the stuff that's, that's kicking around. On oh, the there's absolutely. Well, there's a lot of misinformation. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, on both sides, by the way, can I say? I'm, I'm yeah, you, you certainly can now because you always do. You know, no, no, uh, I'm just saying there is misinformation on both sides. I believe that people are being fed a lot of lies uh, to create fear, and I also believe those who are anti-vaccination are telling a lot of lies as well on the other side too. The right, the extreme right wing. But there's also the extreme left wing too, who are feeding a lot of false information. I believe too to create yeah. fear. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure about creating fear in in terms of. <laughs> I think what you need to to do with with dealing with COVID is to keep people's attention focused on, on, on the fact that it's a highly transmissible disease, that it has consequences. It's not about you or me getting it because, as, as you've stated, we're young, you know, um, we're, chances of dying are absolutely very small. However, you know, there, there's a lot of people um, when, if you watch the television and believe the stuff you see in terms of, you know, some nurse that was you know, it was absolutely knackered from, from you know, when she was only probably in her 30s or 40s um, in terms of sort of long COVID and she can't, she has no energy and all mm. these things. You know, I mean, I mean there's, no, there's no doubt, particularly for those over the age of 70, it's an extremely uh, risky virus to get. And I'm, can I point out again, the majority of those over 70 and even over 80 who get COVID-19 do survive. The majority do survive. And, and it's important that we do say that because otherwise we're scared of the living bejesus out of people. But, I mean, we spoke to Professor John Lee, retired pathologist in the UK, who has featured quite a lot on Sky News as well. Um, and we had him on the air only two weeks ago. And he said, and I'm, I'm quoting him, uh, I, I'm obviously not as qualified as he would be, and he's a very qualified person. Uh, he's also a head of infectious diseases. And he also stated that over the age of 70, COVID-19 is more dangerous than the flu. Um, not a lot more dangerous, but it is more dangerous than the flu. And under the age of 70, it's less dangerous. Mm. Well, that, that, and that's true because I, 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 well, for me, anecdotally, anecdotally now, I was fine. Yeah, but that doesn't mean COVID isn't something to be worried about because I'm Well, I mean, but, but I mean, viruses. I had it and I was okay. Yeah, well, viruses are always something to be worried about because obviously it can make us very unwell as human beings. We're not infallible as human beings. We can pick up viruses, but we've known that throughout history. And yet we didn't, at the moment, for example, under 65s are not at great risk of COVID-19, thankfully. And we've seen that particularly younger people under the age of 18. um, You know, in this country, for example, we haven't had a child die of COVID-19, thankfully, um, which is great to hear. But we have had children die of influenza in the past. So what I'm saying is, in relation to COVID-19, could we not have said, let's protect the elderly and the vulnerable people and let the other people get on with their lives until we figure out what we're going to do, until we get a vaccine or we get everybody vaccinated? Could we not have done that? No, because the more you... The more you sort of you couldn't have done that, no? No. Why couldn't because, you? Because people can't be trusted. Because, and that's a fact. Um, that when you see the way sort of people mix and integrate then there's going to be spread of the disease because people, a lot of people I see, um, you know, are far too casual in their approach to keeping distances and wearing masks. And I see that, excuse me, day, not day in. Yeah, day but we're out, human but beings, aren't we? And, and by the very nature of the fact we're human beings, we are social creatures. It's very hard to socially condition and recondition human beings to be antisocial. We're not being antisocial. You know, I don't particularly perceive... Well, we that. are being antisocial at the moment, yes. Well, we no, you're telling people, according to your view, that you're being antisocial. Well, they are being antisocial. Of course well, we're being antisocial. That's your view. That's, that's, your... Not, that's not a view. Do you know what social means, to be social? Of course we're being antisocial. 
Being social means we get together as human beings. We're being asked at the moment not to get together, so that's antisocial. Wouldn't that? Would you not suggest that? No, say that. In our in our behaviour towards other people, you know, you're not being antisocial behaviour. Somebody says, "What is antisocial behaviour?" You think about sort of the asbos and well, well, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's that's what we're talking about. That's what antisocial behaviour is for me. Oh, okay, all right. Um, So I see myself like you know that. Yeah, I, I don't like you know. There's nothing. I'm not a great fan. I'm not delighted about the fact I've, I can't see people. I'm not delighted about the fact that I have to wear a mask or you know because. But it does, it does strike me that you're willing to do it for as long as needs be. And if we didn't have a vaccine, you would continue to do it for as long as you've been told to do it. Because it's what as long as I believe, Niall. It's like everything. It's about what do you believe. It's about intrinsic motivation. And if you believe it's the right thing to do, you'll do it. And if you don't okay. believe it's the right thing to do, you'll be sitting there having your protest. Okay, well, so we'll stay there for a second, because I want to go to Peter as well. Peter, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Peter? How are you doing, Matt? Um, Peter, I'm sorry for keeping you so long there. Uh, I right. get very frustrated. Um, you can't see any future for children or for kids here in Ireland anymore. Why? I think that's, that's a bit of a, a pessimistic view, maybe. I think it's kind of self-explanatory, to be honest with you, um, especially going on the, the government's reaction today. Um, I'm sitting here. I'm a construction worker. I've got three kids mortgaged the whole lot. I'm sitting at home, the very same as Gary earlier on. I'm sitting at home with a couple of hundred euros a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see a future. You know, the last time we were in a recession, it took us three or four years, five years to come out of that. That's right. I think I think we're heading into a massive recession now. Mm-hmm. I think that going on the way the government have handled the situation with COVID has been abysmal. So you can only imagine what way they're going to handle the recession. Well, Fianna Gael will claim they were the ones that got us out of the last recession. The Fianna Fáil were the ones who put us into it. Mind you, we've the pair of them there at the moment anyway. But in saying <laughs> that, I'm hoping, I'm hoping against hope that some of the economists are right and that when this ends that we will be able to bounce back fairly quickly. Mind you, we still will have a massive debt because we've spent already somewhere in the region of 20 to 30 billion uh, euro and that's not including what we're going to lose to the exchequer next year in taxes because of businesses that were closed all this or all the year before, so to speak. So yeah. it's going to be the tough. Financial positivity coming from the, the advisors is speculative, to say the least. Um, just anecdotal. Um, today I received a text message from the revenue to tell me that the VAT percentage is going from 21 back up to 23 in the middle of covid in the middle of a seven month lockdown where i'm sitting at home and i'm not allowed to go to work my vat has gone up Mm -hmm. so that's that's exactly not the the best way to to kind of go about it in terms of giving positivity to irish people that want to want to try work the way i wasn't actually aware of that by the way i'm glad you told me i wasn't i wasn't actually aware of that got the text message today i was literally sitting there going like really you're you're saying that right now and like today it took two days for the government to come out and make a statement about schools about work i still haven't heard anything about construction but even if the people or even if the government did come out right now and say listen construction is open tomorrow people like andy and listen i'm not disparaging andy's opinions or anything like that but there's a lot of misinformation that comes out, you know, like one in 50 people die of COVID. People are terrified. And the majority of Irish people that listen to Irish media are terrified. And unfortunately, not enough people listen to you, like the rational side. We, myself and my wife, have you on every day at 12 o'clock. It's the only bit of, like, 
positivity. And I know a lot of it is negative talking about COVID, but it's like, okay, someone here in the media, in the mainstream, has an idea about what we believe to be true. And exactly like you said, let's protect the old people. Let's protect the vulnerable. But let's let the rest of us live or have a chance at it. Mm. You know? and, and, and I think, I don't know only whether you disagree. With, well, you did disagree with me when I said that a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, well, look. You, you know, I, I think the point that Peter's making is we understand there are people vulnerable. We need to protect those people. But why should everybody then have to suffer? Oh, are you talking about... Is yeah, but I'm asking you. Yeah, on, on the point that basically we're looking at the healthcare system and that people working at the frontline workers that we're all supposed to be protecting, you know, because they are the ones that actually have to deal with COVID cases, not you or I, or people, and with the great respect to anybody that, you know, works in on, on sort of non-frontline roles, whether they're essential workers or ever, whatever else they, they may be classed as, including myself. You know, I'm, I'm classed as an essential Well, we've, we've historically worker. got the, one of the worst healthcare systems around, to be honest with you. Our healthcare system is a disaster. Uh, Ireland and, and both Ireland and England, our healthcare system in comparison to many countries across Europe is disastrous. And well, has okay. been. I and mean, that's I, always been the case. And, and I sat in an A&E department year before last for fucking, and, and looked at some old lady that had been there for about 11 hours before she was taken in, you know, in absolute crippling pain because there was no room on the far side of the door because there was no room on the far side of A&E because there was no room on the wards and they were waiting on, you know, the chain of, of shifting somebody off a ward to make a space to, you know, play the sort of the, the game of, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, where, where you, uh, you know, shift one, one sort of piece to another. So I, I, I've seen firsthand how, you know, incapacitated the accident and emergency departments were pre-COVID. So... Let's just say when COVID did come, I said to myself, how the fuck are they going to manage? That was my, you know... My well, how, well, how do they manage going back, say, two years ago when people, when you had 30 and 40, well, hundreds of people, actually 6,000 at one stage across the whole country on trolleys in corridors? Well, today we heard that the, the waiting lists were exponentially Nearly a million. Growing. Yeah. You yeah. know, so in it's terms of... The, the, the healthcare, how are they going to handle it? Like, do we, are we putting trust into the healthcare to say that uh, post-COVID uh, our health system is going to work uh, a lot more efficiently and the, the staff are going to really go at it? And in terms of PR, I know we hear a lot of people talking about praising the, the frontline workers. The only thing that I see from the frontline workers is dancing videos and all this type of carry oh, well, on. Well, with, 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 with respect, um, you know, Peter, they, 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 haven't, they haven't all been in dancing videos. They haven't I've seen a few of them, all right, Jeff. It's very, it's very disheartening to well, continuously turn it on and see it. Yeah, well, it is I, I, haven't, I haven't seen any dancing videos of the frontline workers. I have. I, I, well, in fairness, I have. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that much. But I have seen dancing videos. But that's a, that's a, a moot point. But, I, Andy, the thing about it is, when we had 6,000 people on trolleys, and we had a busy flu season, for example, or, you know, winter season. And let's yep. not just say flu, because a lot of people think I'm comparing COVID to flu. But we had a busy winter season. And yes. you had thousands of people in hospital, thousands, yeah. you had hundreds of people in ICU, similar to what we had uh, this Christmas, uh, yeah. if, if not actually worse uh, than we had this Christmas. 
we looked at the government and said to the government, this is your fault, deal with it. You've had a bad health service, you need to fix it. At no stage did the government ever turn around and say, actually, no, we'd prefer if you stayed at home and didn't get sick. And that's essentially what we're allowing the government to say to us now. We can't handle this, so you I, stay I, at home and don't get sick. I, I think what they're dealing with is something, you know, the, I, I think anybody would be hard-pressed to say that COVID is far more sort of, you know, spreadable. Um, you know, COVID is far more spreadable than, than any sort of other influenza vaccine. That was the whole point of COVID, that it's so transmissible and it's so easily transmissible, you know, that we had to do something to restrict the actual flow of the virus throughout well, I, I, the I, I, think, I, think, I think I heard a figure there going back a while ago that every year there's two billion cases of the flu. We, that's, the, that's an approximate estimate because we don't actually mass test people for the flu. But they predict there could be anywhere between one and two billion cases of the flu every year. So, so influenza, the common cold and other viruses are very transmissible. We just happen to be talking about COVID they're because not, that's the pandemic we are at the moment. They are not as transmissible oh, okay. as COVID. Okay. Well, you do realise influenza is a pandemic as well, don't you, by the way? Yeah, the thing was, they called the Spanish flu that killed millions. No, no, I'm, no I'm talking about the, the influenza that we've had since the Spanish flu. You do realise that's a pandemic as well? Yes. Hang on, I'm just... I'm just we, like, you know, we, it, it, well, we call but, it an but, epidemic. Yeah, so... Though, so but that is... The, the flu, you know, COVID... You know, coronavirus, you know, 2019 is, you know, a variant of the, the you know, the flu. Virus. No, it's not, actually. It's a coronavirus, the same as a cold. But not the same as a cold, but the same family as a cold, not, not the same family as influenza. Okay, so coronavirus is, or COVID-19 is, you know, gets its name, doesn't it, from coronavirus 2019. Yeah. That's where it, that, that's where it is. No, no, I don't, I don't think there's, well, anyway, go on. Well, coronavirus okay. disease 2019, I think that's where yeah. you actually get, sort of, get it, get it from. So, um, it doesn't matter where you get it from. Coronavirus is mm. out there. It's mm. rampant. It's mm. easily spreadable. Mm. I got it. I was mm. lucky. Yeah, I, uh, that, that, that didn't answer the question I asked you. The question I asked you was, in other years where we have had, you know, a situation where we've 6,000 people on trolleys in hospitals and we have thousands of people in hospital with, with viruses or, or infections or respiratory diseases or whatever it happens to be during mm-hmm. the winter season. And you had people in ICU and people dying as well, of course, many people dying, particularly those over the age of 80. Uh, yes. we, we never at any point uh, did the government turn around and say, we need to keep everybody at home to stop, stop he's getting sick because we can't handle it. We looked at the government and said, you're assholes, you need to fix the health service. That's the way it should be because that's their mm-hmm. job. So at no point would we have accepted in the past them turning around to us and saying, actually, no, you stay at home and don't get sick. And that way we won't have to deal if with it. We're, with, we're dealing with, with something that's, that's totally different. Are we? Oh. Well, okay. I, I, think we're, I think we are now. Oh, yeah. No, 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 I'm, 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 not, I'm not denying it's something different. Of course it's something different. I think there's... No, I, think I think there's people say it's influenza. You know, I think there's two... And they never said it wasn't. Sorry, Peter. Okay, no, Peter. Polarised opinions in terms of how we attack the, the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, we have the people like Andy that are kind of, they're, they're, they're more in line to, to do what the government says, and that's perfectly fine. Um, doesn't matter what type of facts you kind of display, they're not welcomed because there's a certain narrative that's listened to. You know, I have it, my, my father is 73 years old, and, you know, I'm blue in the face from taking out the phone and showing him, like, Dad, do you understand it? This is the actual number. You know, like, he's so terrified to step outside the door. It's insane. And it's just because of he listens to the radio, he listens to the TV, and that's all he knows. 
that's all he knows. So in terms of the way we address this pandemic here, it's going to be hard to change people's minds, you know. And you, you, you have Gary on earlier, he's talking about reopening. We had a lady that tried to reopen her salon today and it was shut down within an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Is there enough people on that side of the fence to reopen and make a difference like the Europeans have done with their anti-lockdown protests? I, I don't know. I don't, like it's, not, it's not too optimistic, I don't think. Well, stay there a second. Let me just go to PJ as well, just before I wrap this up. Sorry, PJ, you're on Classic Kids. Sorry for keeping you so long, PJ. Oh, hold on, i just turn you on here. Hang on. Sorry, PJ, go ahead. How are you doing, are you? Good. PJ, you're a musician. Yeah, yeah, totally tell me. You were a musician up to last year, anyway, yeah, that was for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I was listening to that, uh, Michal, we call it Michal Martin speech today, you know. Yeah. And uh, a few weeks ago, do you remember he said, well, he leaked it to the, the mirror that it was nine weeks. That's right. And, and we all got, but he got, he got his nine weeks because I think he got his hand slapped by um, Varadka and the other guy, you know. But uh, so he came out today and he says, look, we gave the, he gave us to the 5th of April. 5th of April, yeah. And we all know what's coming down the line. It's going to be another four weeks after that. So that is nine weeks legit getting out there. And as, and as for me going back to work and people going back to pubs and that, you may forget about it. Because he did say a few months, months ago, after Kufta, you're basically going to need a vaccine to get into a pub. And this is where we're heading at the moment. Well, that, that's what he suggested and, and on, on yeah, TV3 or Virgin Media yes. Until it opened up, opened up to society, everyone's got to be vaccinated. At least, 80% before, you know, mm-hmm. and, as for the, and as for the government and Neffet, I mean, it's, it reminds me of a Muppet show. The three guys are the Muppets and Neffet pull, pull the strings because Neffet have them where they want them now because the government are afraid to go against them now over, over the, the, what happened to Christmas, you know. So, so what would you do? Well, well, from the start of last year, they told us to protect the vulnerable and the people in the nursing homes and all that, and the, and the front line. Yeah, vaccinate them. So let's go back to work then, anyone under 65. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I'm saying. But now they're changing. Now they're changing. It's the health system now. Force was the elderly and the sick, and there'd be no problem with that. They're all vaccinated by the next couple of weeks. I presume the way, like, well, it's true. Yeah, that's the way it's going. And yeah. now, now they're changing. And now they're saying, well, we have to protect the health system. The health system that you made a mess of the last 20 years. So, you know what I mean? question there for you, Niall, and the other two lads. Theo uh, came out a couple of weeks ago. He did this type of a, a Q&A online. And he specifically said that after vaccinations, masks will still be in place and social distancing. So let's say we reach the, 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 the 70% vaccinated by June or July, which they say that they're going to try to get done. So we're in June or July. When it comes to September, October, and all the way into next Christmas, can you see the pubs or the restaurants being opened and things being, we'll say, in quotations, normal, where we can go in and sit down? Or is it going to be social distanced? Is there going to be more lockdowns on top of that? And the question then is, where are we come Christmas time, come the new year? Like, it's just a Well, Leo Radker's already said, or suggested... Uh, on our team about three weeks ago there uh, he suggested you probably we won't be visiting your friends on Christmas that, that, and I know I, I don't know whether that was being very pessimistic or not but that's what he suggested and you, you asked at the top of the, the, the conversation with myself in terms of the, the Australian immigration where do we see ourselves in a year like do you see no future it's kind of heartbreaking that 
you have the, the two leaders of the country. You have Varadkar telling us, well, even if you are vaccinated, you can't uh, go out without a mask or you can't go out without social distancing. And then you have Nihal Martin saying, well, you need a passport to get into a pub or in a restaurant. And on top of that, we also have the, the added on fear from Luke O'Neill saying, well, there's going to be no international travel. That's the expense that we'd have to pay for freedom. This is, this is draconian and scary. It certainly is. Well, look, I have to move on. Lads, thank you very much indeed, PJ, Andy, and sorry for keeping you so long, PJ, there. Uh, and Peter, thank you very much indeed. In relation to mortality, uh, fatality rates, um, I, I, when you look, you can look it up online and you can go to the CDC, which is a bigger sample size in America. You can go to the HSE, you can go to uh, the, the NHS, you can go to them all or you can go to the world ones. And they vary the fatality rates depending on age. You have to take age into consideration, of course. You know, under the age of 70, fatality rates are kind of lower than 0.2% in some cases, depending on the country you look at. You also have to factor in, of course, that we, we don't test everybody. Um, but the, the, the suggestion that one in 53 people who get COVID-19 will die, I think is a, a gross exaggeration. But anyway, Andy believes that figure is true and that's all that matters. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.